Well, amen. He is a way maker. He has made a way for all of us. He has sustained us. He has kept us. He has um, cared for us. He has extended to us his love and his grace and his compassion. And we are just grateful to the Lord that he is who he is, that he has been to us, that who he has been, and that is a product of his nature. We are grateful to God for his presence. We are grateful that he is an awesome God, that he is a way maker, um, that he can do exceeding abundantly above anything that we could think or ask. And we are just grateful to God for that. We're just grateful um, to God to be back in the house of the Lord one more time this week. I'm particularly excited about the word of God as I am every week. I just have just found a great joy in being able to work every week through the book of Acts and just see how the Lord is expounding and expanding our understanding of who he is, um, but specifically in how we are working through um, the book of Acts. And so um, every sermon, I believe, obviously is important, but I think this will be one of the more important sermons that you will hear um, of all the ones that we have preached in the book of Acts. This one is going to have a tremendous impact on so much of what we see in the lives and things happening and the events happening around us. So if you pay attention to any sermon, as you should pay attention to them all, this is going to be one of the ones that you really want to hear about. So you'll note that the uh, sermon title is Hidden Agenda, Hidden Agenda. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look in the book of Acts, we're going to look in this specific passage here, and we're going to see how um, in this passage, but also in our own world, how the world has all of these little secrets and these systems and these agendas by which many of us are being taken advantage of and taken advantage by. And then we're going to conclude today's sermon with what you can do to not just be aware of them, but five practical steps that you can do to resist the attack and these secret agendas that are out there in the world. So if you will, jump with me to Acts chapter 19. We're going to start looking at verse 21. And when you read it, you may not get it at first, but give me some time. We're going to work through it. Uh, it won't be long today. It'll be straight to the point. But there's going to be an important point that we see. So Acts 19, 21 it says, now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, um, Timothy and Erastus, he made himself stay. He himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is danger, not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. When they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis from the Ephesians. 
So the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Erasicus, uh, Macedonians who were Paul's companions in the travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him, and even some of the Asiarchs who were with him sent to him and were urging him to venture into the theater. Now, some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they had come together. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward, and Alexander motioned with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours they all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Lord, we thank you for just one more time to share in the word, God, we believe that there is um, such rich, relevant truth in this word today, God. And um, it's going to cause us, Lord, to, to really look out into our world and, and really think with a critical eye, with a, a gospel-centered lens about so much that is happening in our world and so much that is trying to influence us and things that we may not even realize are the attacks of Satan, but God, give us clarity, but also give us what we need to resist. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I like what is actually happening here. If you notice what's happening here, I mentioned to you last week that they were in East Asia and they had come to Ephesus. But we've also seen in these other places that they're all, you know, dominated, even as they mentioned in the text here, by their worship of this false god, Artemis. And so their whole society is actually dominated by this belief in these false gods. Now, we had seen a previous time where Paul had confronted the people in this general region about their gods and saying that, no, the true God is actually not trapped in buildings made by man. He's actually not those who are are created by man, but rather you should resist these false gods and stop with this false worship. He had confronted them about this before. Well, here again, I think everything comes to a head and Paul's preaching actually starts to negatively affect the economy of the people in that area. Now, I'm hoping that we're going to be able to look and hear and see some of the things that happen with the world when it feels like the gospel, the truth of the gospel is challenging the regular narrative of the world. I want you to see specifically what happens when we as believers say anything that goes against the grain of the world and society and see how the world responds when you challenge their secular narrative. And it isn't just that it challenges the narrative here. I think we're going to see that clearly with Paul. It's not just that it challenges the narrative of the world, but the main thing is that it actually it actually challenged their ability to earn their living, to make a profit. And that's what we're really going to see when the world combats the uh, what the what the gospel says and what we as Christians are saying. You will often find out that it disrupts the areas that they most likely have wealth and power. And I want you to see how hidden the agenda is. But I also am going to mention some things today about what we are even seeing in our world that you may not realize is the hidden agenda of our world. This is exactly what happens here with Paul. I want you to see. It says, a man, Demetrius here, is a silversmith. 
Now, you know, we think, okay, what's the, what's the relevance of a silversmith in today's world? Not much, really. But in that time and in that city, it's a great amount of wealth. Because the silversmith in this time would have been as lucrative as a business as you could possibly have. Why? Because they had to build these shrines for their idol gods. How do you build shrines for idol gods? Well, you need somebody who is able to take silver and mold it and manipulate it into what they need. And this is weird in this sense that their economy is actually directly connected to their ability to worship their idol gods. According to their religion, you have to have these temples built. You have to be able to go in and worship these statues. Now, it is different, though, unlike our society in a way that the very thing that they worship was also the very source of that city's economic productivity. Let me explain what I mean by that. Every country, every state, every city, every town, every one of them, everyone has his own spiritual identity, doesn't it? Think about it. And I don't mean like Christianity specifically, but if you go to Haiti and I've heard from people who've been there multiple times, they will tell you there is a dark Catholicism there that is led by witchcraft in Haiti. If you go there. If you go to New Orleans, you can feel the influence of Creole voodooism. You can see it is everywhere. And if you come to the South, you feel the superficial Christian values, you know, that we all go to church kind of people. Every place has its own identity spiritually, but it isn't usual that the spiritual identity perfectly connects to the source of that city's revenue as well. That's what's unique here is that the very thing that was making them money was the fact that they were having to go in and worship these gods. So when Paul is preaching the truth of the gospel, he mentions that you should not be worshiping false gods made by images. Remember when he actually mentions this a while back in Athens. He said, men of Athens, we read this. I perceive that in every way you were very religious, for as I pass along and observe the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives all life and mankind breath and everything. He is not only undermining their faith here, but he is also undermining their means of how they made their money. And he's using this man as this example who comes to him and says, wait a minute, he's going to disrupt this whole planet we have. What does he do? It says this man goes and finds all the people who make their money the same way. And he comes and says to them, this Paul guy who is preaching this gospel is ruining our income. He is ruining our opportunity to make money. And they came together and he said, let's say that he is coming against our gods so that when people hear this, they'll support our cause. And then he says, great is Artemis. Look, people, they go out. Look how devoted we are to God. Look how we are devoted to Artemis. Look at how these people are interrupting that. They're disrupting that. They don't care about Artemis, the goddess. They don't really care about that. 
They don't just come out and say that they're ruining our financial success, do they? No. They say these people are disrupting the gods and our ability to worship them. But all of us can see right through their motives, can't we? It's a smokescreen. It's a small screen so that they can pursue their actual agenda, which is to make as much money for themselves as they possibly can. And so in order to thwart the ability of Paul's truth in sharing the gospel, they create an uproar. Man, if this doesn't sound like something that happens in our world all the time, they created the stir. There was nothing going on. Nobody cared. And they didn't even care. But they took something that wasn't really valuable to them and they bring it to the forefront and say, but look how they're interrupting our gods. Look how they're disrupting that. They didn't care about the gods. They didn't care about how they worship. All they cared was about their money. It is very interesting that you will see that the world very often takes some false sense of morality And takes that thing and says, look, this is what we should all be doing. This is what justice should look like. But what you realize is that the pockets of those people usually run real deep. And for every cause the world supports, there is an agenda. There is absolutely an agenda. I don't care how more the cause looks. If the world supports any moral cause, there is an agenda behind it. So hopefully we can see that there's correlation with their account and what happens in our own world. This is the method by which Satan does his bidding. And it seems like we have been fooled by this now for many, many years. Far too often Christians are willing to support and align themselves with these worldly and secular causes who they think are doing some moral good, but don't realize that there's always an underhanded agenda. Outright evil never comes out and says, hey, by the way, I'm darkness. But often it comes through the facade of doing good works. Oh, we're going to protest. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to stand for this. What you often learn is that whatever the world is standing for, there is an agenda. And they're using their evil. They're using their good rather as a cover up for their evil. Now, you think I'm just making this up. Oh, no, we always know when evil is happening. You do? Because the Bible says no wonder for even Satan himself disguises as an angel of light. That means even what looks to be benevolent, even what looks to be good, even what looks to be championing causes and good works and people and the human race very often has a very wicked agenda behind it. And this perhaps is the thing that Jesus ran into the most with the Pharisees. All of the Pharisees, they will come to him and say, you know, no, we're defending the law. We're we're defending the truth of who God was. But they weren't defending the law, nor were they defending God. What you would actually find out is every time they came saying they were defending God, they were defending their own comfort. They were defending the God that they had fashioned for themselves, not the true God, but the God they preferred to exist. And that's the case here and with all of evil. And I know that we may not feel like there is this big hidden agenda out in the world, but there is. Let me try to explain. This is where it's going to get a little murky. Let me try to explain how all of this works together, because perhaps 
we will not only see the wickedness, but we will also see how tangled the web of evil really is. What is interesting, though, is that sometimes the world doesn't actually hide its agenda as well. I mean, we've all heard the term sex sales. We've all heard that. And we know exactly what that means. If you add sex, a new scene in a movie, you're automatically going to get more people to watch it than if you didn't. If you post some scantily clad, I know that's like a 50s word, but you post some scantily clad person, woman, preferably on a, on a TV screen or on a computer screen or on a phone, you're more likely to get somebody to open it up because the viewership always increases if you add a little sex, if you add a little nudity to it. Of course, you know that sex sells. But what part of this is the hidden agenda? See, the most direct agenda is sex sales. But there is a hidden agenda under that as well. And I hope that we can see this as well. What is the more common narrative that's told by women in our world? I mean, and I really mean, I want you to think about this. Think about the more common narrative that women are told in our world. They're told body autonomy. In other words, you are in charge of your body. Own it. You get to do with, what, what, with it whatever you want. Your body does not belong to anybody else, certainly not to God. You are in charge of it. To hell with modesty. Flaunt it, show it if you got it. That's what the world gets told, and that's what the world is telling women. It's your body, and it's your choice. Is there an agenda here? You think there's an agenda here? Of course there's an agenda. Of course there's an agenda here. If you go on social media and look at what makes many of the most popular people popular, you don't have to look far to realize that it is some image or some video of some woman leaving little to the imagination that Joe can get on and ogle for on that woman and thousands of other women for eight hours a day. And the more that he looks at that woman, I don't know if you notice this, the more women on his page with ads about women who are half naked are going to appear. It's what we call the algorithm. So you post a woman who's showing much of her body because she feels like she has the right to do so. Joe looks at it for eight hours a day and all that does is increase the ads that he gets for more women. And while Joe dies spiritually, the wicked prosper. That's how it works. That's the agenda. While he's staring, they're getting rich off his eyes. How do they present it to women? Your body is yours. But it's not their pockets that get full. It's the world's. How does this refute the Bible? Because the Bible says that, no, you are not your own. But rather, your body is a temple. But rather, you have been bought with a price. But when we say this to the world, we are the oppressive ones. We are the bigots. We are the ones who are antiquated in our way of thinking. Think about the world's unnatural being towards body autonomy and even a woman's right to things like an abortion. And look, I know I was like, OK, he's getting controversial. I'm not getting controversial. I just want to talk about what the Bible says is true versus what we think is true. But in order to do that, I want to share some stuff that I went and found. Because I didn't, you know, I thought, you know, it's not just good enough for me to just say it. So I want you to think about this. So if you go on, and I did, 
If you go on the Planned Parenthood website and get the annual report, you'll see that their revenue last year, COVID year, right? Their revenue was $150 million. $150 million. In fact, if you look at it in the annual report, it says hashtag bans, B-A-N-S, bans off my body, which means the world doesn't have a right to tell me what to wear, what to dress, where to go. None of that. The world doesn't have that right. Bans off my body is what it says. But then if you look right underneath that, it says business for birth control. Now, y'all may not be able to connect those dots, but let me connect those dots. So you can see how the world is prospering off of this. If you encourage people that they have all the rights to their body, that they can have all the sex that they want to have and not be married and do whatever they want to do. And then you say, but by the way, they don't there don't have to be any consequences for anything you do. And then it turns out that not only are you invested in birth control, but you're also invested in abortions. Guess what? You're making bank. You're making bank because you are encouraging people. There don't have to be any ramifications for the way that you live. And if you want to have birth control, guess what? We got it. And if you want to get rid of that baby, guess what? We can do it. How does that trickle down? Show it, flaunt it exercise it and then if something happens because you have all this control of your body guess what you can make whatever choice you need to make and guess what else we're invested in all those companies too how wicked is that and that's exactly what's happening and the reality is is that our world is filled with hidden messages everywhere and not all of them are evil so I want to share a few of them with you that maybe you've never noticed. Have you ever noticed that when you go into the store, all the candy is consolidated, not just on one aisle, but right at the register? But have you ever noticed it's not at eye level for an adult, is it? It is eye level for a child. So that whenever you get right when you're getting ready to check out, you had to tolerate that child the whole time. It's like, can I please get yeah, just grab it and come on. They're selling it to you. That's a hidden agenda. You don't know it. It's subliminal. It's not wicked, but they are making a lot more money by doing this. It's smart. If you've ever wondered why, after looking at a Tostitos bag, you really, really want some nachos and salsa, I bet you have never noticed that in the teas, there are two people dipping into salsa. But you never noticed that. I want y'all to know how hard I had to research to find all this stuff. I'm like, what are all the subliminal? No wonder I be tearing them Tostitos up. They got them dipping into the salsa, and you don't even know it. You just think it's a, an eye. No, it's salsa. Have you ever noticed a hidden arrow inside the FedEx logo? Bet you didn't even know that arrow was there. Things like that, which are encouraging. Yeah, go ahead. We'll, we'll deliver your package for you. Now, these are innocent. These are all innocent. Does anybody remember the old SFX magazine? Does anybody remember that? Well, in each issue in SFX magazine, each issue, they would intentionally block the bottom part of the F. 
so that when a person walked up, probably some young teenager who can purchase the magazine, you know what magazine he thinks he's getting? Sex. He thinks he's getting sex magazine. They intentionally will block the lower half because what did I say earlier? Sex sales. So why so much of what we understand to be the agenda of the world, why is it hidden? Because the truth is, no one wants to know they're being manipulated. This is why the Bible tells us that there is wickedness in places that we don't see. It tells us in Ephesians 6 and 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. This is the reality, right? There is a wicked force around all of us that is not only trying to entrap the lost, but also trying to deceive the righteous as well. These rulers and authorities are not just like these devious people who you think are like controlling a marionette. These are our elected officials. These are the CEOs of our media companies. And if you ever look, look at where these people are invested and then you'll find out why they support what they support. Because at the end of the day, they will use anything that they need to use in order to make money. It took 60 years before anybody got wind that maybe we should post a warning about cigarettes because they could be harmful to your health. They still won't even admit it in the ad because somebody got to make some money. If we're talking about what could damage our body, how much more damaging could the things that they're not admitting to be damaging to our spirits? Why are we declining the way that we are spiritually is because there is a wicked force and many times we are supporting it. We are supporting it and we don't even know it. The sad part is that the Bible makes it clear that many are being deceived. Millions of people are being deceived. And they're going to die apart from Jesus Christ with their cause and realize that the people who funded it didn't care about it at all. Certainly didn't care about them. The Bible says that if it were possible that even the very elect would be fooled. Thank God that because we know the truth, those of us who are believers can't be deceived. So what are we to do to live in this world without being destroyed by the evil agenda? We go back to our text. Look at verse 10, 16 and 13 of Ephesians. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints 
and also for me. That that words may be given to me in my in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul lists here a few non-negotiables for us in order to withstand the world's agenda. And if you don't write anything else, this is what you need to write down today. These are five principles to withstand in the world's hidden agenda. The first is be strong. Be strong. Don't waver. Don't cower. Don't be passive. Stand out against the the lies, the wickedness that we see in the world. Don't be afraid to get mocked. Don't be afraid to get called an idiot or backwards or whatever they're going to call you. They're going to call you that. We have to be strong. How are we strong? We are building ourselves up in our most holy faith. How are we doing that? Good spiritual disciplines. Secondly, it says stand firm. Stand firm. When people attack, when they persecute, stand firm. Do what you have to do. Absorb it. No, you don't deserve better. You're getting exactly what you do deserve. If you are a Christian, absorb the abuse. Stand firm in the truth. Three, pray. Pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for one another. Pray that the wickedness of the world is revealed more and more. Pray that all of the spiritual wickedness in the various high places will be destroyed. Pray for the boldness of other Christians who will call out lies when we see it. Pray that there's a majority of Christians who are not just doing what the world says is right or popular, but who are standing for the truth. Four, stay alert. Stay alert. This is an important one. I was having a conversation with the principal of our school the other day, and I said, you know, the place that all Christians have the least accountability is their phones. That's where you have the least accountability. You can delete, you can hide. And I want you to think about this. We talk about hidden agendas. Why in the world would Google add a feature where you can look up whatever you want to look up and it doesn't get stored? Why would they add that feature? Why would they add a feature that none of your browsing history, as long as you turn on that little button, nobody knows what you've been looking at? Why do you think they're adding that feature? Because at some point, People are like, man, I can't Google what I used to Google anymore. But they don't make money that way. Why can't you Google it? Man, because she caught me. They caught me. They saw my Google history. So what does Google do? We got a solution for you, brother. Here's a little button. Tap it. Search everything you need. And when you're done, switch it back. Nobody will ever know. Why do they do that? Makes them money. Makes them bank. Stay alert. Don't get deceived by the world's agenda. Finally, boldly proclaim the truth. Just tell the truth. Just share the truth. Don't be afraid. Don't be passive. Be strong in the Lord. Be courageous. Put on the whole armor. You are protected. Even if they kill you, you'll be with Jesus anyway. Stand up for the truth. Boldly proclaim it. If we are doing this, then he says we will be able to withstand the schemes of Satan. So what is our hope? 
If I have to live in this world knowing there's this secret agenda from the day I'm born to the day I die, what is my hope? Our hope, therefore, should be in Christ and not just that he has saved us and preserved us, but our hope is also that he has defeated Satan. That there actually is no scheme. There is no agenda. There is no maneuvering in which Satan wins. The Bible makes it clear in the end we win. There is nothing that Satan can legitimately do that should cause any fear in us because we serve the one true living king in Jesus. And every authority crumbles at his feet. Every kingdom falls at the feet of Jesus. The people turn into wax at the feet of Jesus. There is nothing that we should fear. There is no darkness. There is no evil. There is no wickedness that can dethrone him. That's what our hope is in. How do I resist? How do I resist? I want you to think of it personally. If you feel like you are losing the battle of sin in your life, that enemy has already been defeated. Where is the victory of sin, death, hell and the grave? It's gone because Jesus has already conquered it. If you believe that he can triumph the the most wicked systems and agendas in this world, then he can also deal with your little petty sins. He can do it. And if he can't deal with your little petty sins, he can't do nothing for the wickedness in the world. So either he's powerful in your life or he's not powerful at all. You don't have to lose the battle against evil. You don't have to lose the battle against sin. But rather, you have this armor. You have armor that you have been equipped with for this spiritual fight. And my only advice to you, put it on. Put on the armor. Don't relent. No, you don't have room to take a day off. Satan takes no days off. Satan doesn't stop in his attack. Every day there's more wicked legislation getting passed. You think Satan's taking a day off? No. We can't afford to take a day off. We must stand up, stand out, be firm, be bold against the wickedness of this world. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the truth. Lord, we thank you that even though there is an agenda that the world has, God, that you have made it plain to us. You have made it clear to us what that agenda is and what that agenda looks like. And that not just that you have made it plain to us, but you have given what we need to withstand it. You have given us everything we need to fight. You have given us a whole arm of God and all you require of us is that we put it on. God, there is wickedness everywhere and there is not a day that's going to pass where we as Christians can be quiet, be, be passive, say, well, no, that doesn't affect me. No, it does affect us. God, remember, help us remember what you have called us to do. 
that you've called us to be strong, that you've called us to stand firm, that you've called us to pray, you've called us to stay alert, and you've called us to boldly proclaim the truth. And God, let us not just proclaim it, but let us live in it. Let us live in the truth. Lord, there may be people here or who are watching who say, well, I don't know that truth. I don't feel like I have that victory. I don't understand that Jesus has conquered everything. But the reality is because we were born with a sin debt, and because as we live, we've accrued more and more sin, the reality is that we needed a perfect sacrifice that could come take our sins away. And the only way that can happen is that that would be the all-powerful, sovereign, the only begotten of God in Jesus. Lord, we don't have to fight. We don't have to struggle. We don't have to wrestle in the way that we do. We don't have to lose the battle to sin in our lives. But you've given us everything we need. So we just pray that as we go through the rest of our week and months and years and have a long you preserve us that we will, one, know that there is an attack from the enemy, that there is wickedness in places that maybe we don't see, that there is a secret agenda, that you will give us what we need to fight, to boldly fight against this agenda, knowing that in the end, we win. Every kingdom is defeated. Every lie is destroyed. We thank you now. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. So I'm just grateful.